Welcome to Forbes Podcasts. Hello, this is Mentoring Moments, and I'm Denise Rastari. On each show, I invite a woman to share her personal stories, her mentoring moments, those you need to know this story. We'll have a new episode on the first and third Tuesdays of each month, and Mentoring Moments is part of the Forbes Podcast Network, produced by Fractal Recording. When Sarah Mearns was three years old, she did what a lot of little girls do. She did what my daughter did. She put on a pair of soft pink slippers and took a ballet class just for fun. When Sarah was 10, living in South Carolina, her screen name was New York City ballet star-to-be. Well, today, 30-year-old Sarah is no longer a star-to-be. She's a principal dancer at the New York City Ballet. This is huge. Her life has been filled with passion, hard work, a potentially career-ending injury, and a lot of dreams come true. She's been called the most talked about ballerina in America. She's appeared in Vogue, Cosmo, and was featured with someone I just love, the famed designer Valentino. That was in Vanity Fair. Sarah loves exposing young people to the wonders of classical ballet, to be able to have that experience that she had as a young girl. So today we'll get a look into the life of an American ballerina, a life filled with mentoring moments. So Sarah, when you were younger, mm-hmm. you weren't born a ballerina, right? I mean, no one looked at you and said, look, and not even born, but when you were three, four, five, Did people look at you and say, look at that kid. She is destined for the ballet. I don't think that's the first thing they thought. I mean, my mom told me when she would take me into ballet class that I would be crying and and kicking and screaming going into the studio. And then once I got in there, the teacher said I was fine. So I think there was this like fear in the beginning. But then when I was in there, I was like, oh, this is not scary. Like, I love jumping around the studio and like, you know, flailing around. But to be honest, I don't know if they saw anything in me at that age. I don't even know if you do. Maybe you do, but I don't think. They're like, oh my God, she's going to be the best ballerina in the world. No, there was never anything like that at all. And then how did you get though from there to being the principal dancer at the New York City Ballet? That's a far cry. A good cry. Yes, there was lots of crying. Right. <laughs> no, I I don't think there's... It was just a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice on my mom's part, for sure. And obviously me. And, you know, the years go by so fast. Even now, I can't believe I'm here. There's no... When I was even 10, even though I made up that screen name, New York City Ballet Star to be... There was no way in my mind that that would even be possible. That It's just, for me, this journey has been very surreal and a dream come true. And there's no way that I thought this would ever happen to me. And what do you love most about what you do? 
Wow. Well, now that I've just turned 30 and I've been performing roles for a fairly long time, it's those moments where I step out on stage and it just, it feels so natural to me and I don't have to think about it. And I'm just, it's a dream being out there. And it hasn't always been like that. It's been very stressful at times. And if your body's hurting a lot, all you're thinking about is your injuries. And, but right now I feel so at ease and at peace with who I am as an artist and a dancer and a professional and an athlete and all those. And, um, I'm very happy and at peace in my personal life, which is not always been the case, especially in my twenties. So I just feel like everything right now has come together in this really magical place that I never thought would happen. And I feel that when I go out on stage every night. So I have so many things I want to ask you. One is when you were just saying about your twenties and when I wrote the book, Their Roaring Thirties, mm-hmm. I interviewed hundreds of women in their thirties mm-hmm. and they all said, you know, I'm so glad the twenties are over, which is something you just mentioned about, mm-hmm. especially in your personal life. Yeah. And a lot of it for them was in their personal life too, right? Because it was like, that was when they, many said that's when they were mirroring other people. Mm-hmm. and that they weren't, or they were pleasing. They were mm-hmm. pleasing their mother. They were pleasing their professor. They were pleasing their boss. So when you look at that now, looking back on your 20s, and I know you're a new 30, you just turned 30, but when you look at it, what do you see that you're glad that is done, that, or something you would have done differently, or something you're greatly or happy that you did that got you to your 30s? If you were talking to, if I were a 20-something, a 23-year-old woman sitting across from you, what would you tell me? Gosh. I mean, I won't say that I regret anything that happened, because honestly, all of that craziness or all the bad things that happened and the great things that happened and the stupid things that happened got me to where I am right now. Got me to this place of maturity and intelligence that I probably would not have if I had not gone through all that stuff in my 20s. Some amazing stuff happened in my dance career. Obviously, in my 20s, it's like, you know, I got promoted. I, you know, did all these amazing ballets and these new roles and But then I also had some awful injuries as well because I was not smart enough to take care of myself as I should have. And that's definitely something I would tell a young dancer. And I would say you have to watch out because your body will then just stop and it will remind you that you can't just keep going, that you can't just not pay attention to it and listen to it. And it may not be in your face, but after it happens, you're like, oh, duh. Yeah. I mean, why didn't I stop dancing? So now when that happens, I just in the morning, if I feel like something is not right, I'll just like, nope, I'm not going, I'm not doing it today. This is not happening. I have to, I have the rest of the season to think about. So in that way, I, I would tell dancers to really just be smart and to listen to your therapist and to go take care of yourself every single day, you know? Other than that, I mean, personal wise, 
you know, stupid things are supposed to happen in your 20s. That's that's where you just, like, get it all out of the way. And in our environment at New York City Ballet or in any young company that has people coming in at 17, 18 years old, just coming out of school, and this being their first job, I mean, the environment, it always stays a young kind of immature environment in that way because every year you have that new crop of people coming in. So in a way, I never felt like I grew up because you always had such young people around you all the time. And for some reason, around 29, 30, I was like, I'm ready to just get, I'm I'm like ready to grow up. Like I don't want to be stuck where I was when I was like 22, 23. So it's hard, I think, for some people to get out of that because it is really fun all the time. And, you know, it's you have this really, really hard job. So you kind of party hard at the same time because it's such a release. And it's um, and obviously there's lots of relationships with the company and there's lots of things going on in that way. And it was just so nice to have that side done and kind of move on. Because a lot, it's hard for a lot of people. But because I went through such a crazy, traumatic personal life in that way, I feel like I can step away and now obviously be with somebody outside the company and have a different life outside the company. You know, I don't hang out with people at the company when I'm not at work because we're there with them 12 hours a day. So I want to have a group of people and a life that I can go to outside of the company. So I feel like all that's kind of settled now and I can focus on that. So you just said you're with everybody in the company 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. How many days a week? Is that seven? Six. Six days a week. Six with? days a week. So is it anything like Black Swan? I'm sure you get asked that a lot. I but I think about it when I see you. It's like, is it anything like Black Swan? Is the craziness there? How do you trust people? I mean, no. Black Swan... That movie just makes me so mad. But there's definitely not the crazy moms. There's not, like, people putting glass in people's shoes. There's not, like, kicking and screaming and fights and blood and blah, blah. No, there's, like, nothing of that. But, of course, there's, you know, company life. It's, like, relationships. It's, like, with any big corporate place or even, like, huge families, you know, we... I've grown up with these people. We went to school together at School of American Ballet before we got into the company. So we've known each other for a very, very long time. And we also are very intimate with each other because we have to dance together all day long. So obviously there's going to be stuff that comes up. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be things that are said that, you know, you wish you didn't say or you wish didn't happen. And, you know, just that's life. But it's not... At the end of the day, we all have to work together to get something on stage at night, and we all have to be nice to each other. And now, being a little bit older and more mature, if there is gossip, if there is stuff going on, I try to just stay away from it and just go in there and do my job and focus on what I have to do. Because I've learned that being involved in any of that does you no good. And just distracts you from what you have to get done. And there's too much that I have to focus on in my rehearsals and my body and my performances that all that other stuff is just extra crap in my head. So 
Do you find, though, by not engaging, because I look back at my days in corporate America, different than uh-huh. being in the ballet, but in corporate America, and I was always not interested in the gossip. It was People would say, did you hear about so-and-so? And I would be like, really? No. Yeah. And they might be sitting like, you know, the office next to me. And I was right. like, I didn't have a clue right. that was going exactly. on. Yeah. But I think that can sometimes also make a barrier because you're not part of that group that right. wants to gossip. Do you get that? Right. You know, I thought that was there when I was in my twenties. I thought that, well, if I wasn't part of that group or if I wasn't gossiping or if I wasn't going out with those people, I wouldn't be cool. I wouldn't be, they wouldn't want to hang out with me. They wouldn't want to be friends with me. But to be honest, I just, now it doesn't matter to me because when I'm there, we're all friends. We all get along, you know, and I'm my, and I'm being myself during the day and we're around each other so much all day long that it's, it's fine with me. And I don't feel like it creates any barriers. And if it does, then that's really sad because I don't, want to be friends or associated with people that do that. So if they want to be my friend for me, for who I am, then that's who I want to be friends with. Not the people that just want to gossip all day long because that doesn't do anything for me. It's, it's a, that, that's a great lesson to really to learn at your age. And when you were talking yeah. earlier about being injured, I was thinking about, and this was just five years ago for mm-hmm. me and I'm in my early sixties. So I was in my mid to late fifties at the time when I actually learned this. And I think it's a great lesson though. I was going, going, I mean, I was just constantly going, going, going. Mm -hmm. I can, I can do this. I can do that. I'm ADHD to begin with. So I think I can do everything Mm -hmm. to start with. I don't Mm -hmm. realize there were 24 hours in the day. Right. And so it was like, sure, I can do that. I'll do that. And I would take work. People didn't want to do it. I'll take it. I'll do it. I'll Uh be that person who can do everything. And I was not feeling well. I had fallen. I just scraped my knee. Not no, you know, no big deal. Nothing uh-huh. got hurt. And then one day, I was rushing to a meeting, and I literally on Lexington Avenue here in New York City, on like 55th, I literally fell on my face. I mean, literally, I was carrying so many bags to get to where I needed to go with computers and and yeah. papers for everyone to pass out at the meeting. And I couldn't balance when I tripped. I just literally fell on my face. The fact that I have my front teeth to this day oh is a miracle. Gosh. I still wake up in the middle of the night. I do this. And I, like, grab my front teeth to make <sighs> sure I wake up. I have nightmares. I don't have my front teeth. But a friend of mine who's very holistic said to me, I've told you for the longest time you need to slow down. Now the universe, I mean, my face was, I thought I would be scarred. I mean, it was bad. It's with, wow. you know, with the grace of God, it's, um, it's the way it, wow. it's, it's healed. Yeah. But she was like, the universe actually had to smack you in the face right. to let you know that you need to slow down. Yeah. So now, whenever I get into that mode of I can do and I'm rushing, I'm always like, stop. <laughs> right. I can, yeah. visual, I can actually see my face in the mirror when I was scabbed and bruised oh and gosh. to which my hairdresser who saw me like three days after it happened was like, Oh honey, you look okay. A month later said, you look like you got hit over the head with a pipe. When oh I saw you. It was, it was not, but it really is that yeah. you shouldn't have to yeah. get to that point no. of saying, no. so I think that's, you know, that, that is one of my many mentoring moments of, and you learned it at a much younger age is yeah. to just stop, stop, take a deep breath and figure out what is most important right. and do that. Right. No, I think injuries definitely do that to you. I mean, so how long were you injured? How was you, how my long first was you back injury 
in '09 was uh, five, six months, and then what happened? How it was nothing really happened. It was just overuse of my back, and it just seized up. And I think there was a lot of stress in my personal life as well, and just the add-on baggage of dancing every day. I just wasn't paying attention to it. And then uh, my second back back injury in 2012, that was eight months. And that was much more terrifying because I thought there was something wrong. I thought there was something wrong with my rib or it was fractured. So it was seizing my back up. And then we did this sort of therapy that they inject fluid into your muscles so it can heal again. But I would go in and get at least like 70 to 100 little injections. And I've never been in that much pain in my life. I thought my back was going to explode and you can't walk afterwards. And that didn't fix it. So finally, I just stopped all treatments and said, I can't deal with this anymore. Everybody's telling me I'm crazy, that there's nothing wrong with my back. And I said, obviously, something is wrong with me because I cannot dance. My back goes into spasm when I breathe. So then I just kind of like stopped doing everything for a while. And then I found this amazing physical therapist that to this day, I'm not allowed to say who he is because he's a big person in the sports world. But I found him through another friend of mine who was a hockey player. And he said, you have to see this man. I saw him. And within three weeks, I was back dancing on stage. And you just... you. You never know who you're going to meet and how you're going to get back and who's going to understand your body and who's going to say, you're fine, I will fix you. But if I had not had that time off, I had not had those moments where I was like, I don't think I'm going to come back from this. People don't know what's wrong with me. When you don't, when you don't have those moments, you don't realize what you actually have in your life. And now that I'm back and I see other people hurting or injured, I get up in the morning and if I don't want to go in and I'm hurting, I'm like, no, get up, go in there, do it for the people that are injured. You were at that place where you could not walk and you could not get out of bed and you could not dance and you can right now. So get up and go to the studio because you never know when it can just be taken away from you. Like literally just like that, because I had to leave a performance. That's my back got so bad that I actually had to, run off stage and not go back on. So what happens when you run off stage and not go back on? They just keep going without you. And I mean, it's happened many times before to other dancers and it's really scary, but the show has to go on and they just somehow finagle it where you're not there. So that's, it's terrifying. It's like your moment where just like life is like, just stop or it's going to make you stop. It literally just makes you stop. So I'm really glad I had those moments. So, you know, I think women have this, which, as you were saying about rehearsing, mm-hmm. and I think we have a tendency to over-rehearse, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always to be over-prepared, which I think sometimes can take away. And I think there's a, there's a happy medium mm-hmm. that we're prepared but not over-prepared. Right. And I'm always in the over-prepared camp, which makes me a little anxious and nervous. And it's a real time suck leading up to it, right? Because when I look back at it and I think, if I would have had that time to do something else, I could have done something else right. being, versus yeah. being so over-rehearsed. Yeah. So do you find that? 
I would over-rehearse like crazy when I was younger. I thought I wanted to know every in and out of the ballet and the music, and I wanted it to be perfect, or I wanted to be close to that when I got out on stage. And now I don't really rehearse that much. I, I mean, we don't know our casting until two weeks before we do it anyway. So most of the time now I'm like, no, I'm just going to wait. I can't because first of all, it hurts your body. Second of all, it gets boring. If you rehearse it too much, the excitement is not there. And when you get out on stage, you're just like, oh, I'm doing this again. It's like, that's horrible. The one thing I am still very vigilant about is the music. Music is very important to me and understanding and hearing every part of the music is very important to me. So any piece that I'm doing that's new or like a huge Tchaikovsky piece or anything like that, I get the music on my phone and I listen to it in the dressing room before I go out there. It just puts me in the mood and I want to be musical and I want to be on the music and I want to, you know, I want it to be together. You know, it's very important to me that the musicians and the dancers are working together. So I still am very, um, I don't know, disciplined about that. But dancing wise, definitely. I just, I can't be in that studio for like weeks on end doing one piece. It's just, it will drive me crazy. And also we have this thought that in a rehearsal process, you start out really good. Like the first two days are like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, like every single thing will be wrong for like a week. Everything will go wrong. And you're like, what is wrong with me? I've been doing this for years. Why can't I do it right now? So there's like this rehearsal process of like it gets worse and worse and worse. And then hopefully like a day or two beforehand, it gets back to where it was. So I try to eliminate that process. So I just really hope that like the six, seven, eight rehearsals that I do like are very important that are very disciplined and I get in there when I have to. And, you know, my partners, we've been working together for so many years that it's not like we have to like work on things now, which is really nice. So yeah, no bad over rehearsing bad. I agree. I was doing, I was a guest lecturer at a university and I was so nervous about it. I'm a college dropout. So to be a guest <laughs> lecturer was a big deal. And I was like, okay, I am going to, ace, I got this one. I'm going to ace it. And I know the stories and what I was doing, I was telling stories from the women in my book. That, uh-huh. So I was I was being the megaphone of their stories and connecting dots between some of the stories. Right. And so I, I knew these stories called, but I rehearsed and I rehearsed and I rehearsed. Uh-huh. And the night before, someone said, do you want to go out to dinner? And I was like, no, I can't. I rehearsed. By the time I was actually doing the 45-minute presentation, by the time I got to like 30 minutes, I was so bored with myself. <laughs> I just kept thinking, could this please be I over because I, I can't say this one more time. Oh I was so bored with myself. Oh my so here's another one, though. So I think as women, this I, I laugh because I'm, I'm famous for doing it also. We get out of a meeting. And the guys are over there saying, I aced it. They're high-fiving. They're going out for a beer. They're like, let's go for a beer. And women are like, oh, my God. Did I, when I, should I have, when I flipped that piece of paper on the deck, did I not flip it right? Was there the wrong word? And we beat ourselves up. And we really do ourselves a disservice, right? Because who wants to be around somebody who doesn't think they know what they're doing? Right. 
so you always want to be around people that have that confidence that mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. So when you get off stage, if you're even one of your best performances, which I'm sure they're all best, mm-hmm. but when you really feel, do you beat yourself up? Do you? I don't think I beat myself up. I am a perfectionist and I do want things to be better and it's never going to be perfect. It's, you know, performance is a live performance. You know, you never know what's going to happen out there. And that performance is never going to happen again, which is kind of, in my mind, is very magical to me because it's like, that was a moment in time that will never, ever happen again. But I hope to do better next time or I hope to work on this for next time. And I really, now I recognize the great moments that I had on stage. And, you know, if you fall, if you like mess up a turn, I'm not so like, down the dumps about it anymore. Cause I'm like, okay, fine. I missed that turn. That's not the worst thing. And you know, you have to look at the big picture of the 40 minute ballet you just did. You know, you missed one turn, like, oh, well, you'll, you'll get it next time or you've gotten it before. So, you know, you can do it, but there are like little things that I think about that I could do better. And that, you know, that's what makes me excited to do it again, because I know I can get into the studio and work on those few things and make it better for Tuesday. And I always have a little voice in my head of my late coach, Albert Evans, who recently passed this year. And he was my rock. He was my everything after a show and just all day long. And so every time now I come off stage, I'm like, okay, what would Albert say? What would he see? Good and bad. And that kind of eases me and it it kind of keeps me going in a good way where I won't beat myself up, you know? And cause he would always say something positive. It would always be good things, but he was like, you know, let's work on this one thing the next time we get in the studio. So I think it's, you always have to work. It's always a learning process. There's always, you're never going to be perfect. It's never going to be the best you've ever done it, but it's going to be good. And you should pat yourself on the back, but there's always room for improvement. And that's what keeps inspiring me to, work on the ballets because I have to do these ballets for another 15 years. You know, I'm going to be doing the same ballets. So I have to find new and exciting things about them because then I'm just going to get bored with myself. <laughs> and when you just said when you fall, what, what happened with the first time you fell? I, like, I can't even imagine how you I don't you even remember feel. the first time I fell. Or even a time that you look back well, on. There's... The, the time you remember when you fell. Oh, I have like a couple in my head right now. Cause like when you fall, you like take like a mental image and all you're thinking about is how fast you can get back up and do the next step. I think there was one, there was opening night of Dewdrop in Nutcracker and the first entrance, I did a face plant in the middle of the stage because I think I wasn't, I was so nervous or like my legs were not grounded. So I was like kind of on top of the ground and I just literally just like face plant and I got up and I didn't even miss a step. I was like, just, ah, just get up and go. And then actually on Sunday in the performance, my partner and I, we have to do this slide. Like he takes me, has to slide me back backwards in a circle and he has to like run backwards with me. And he kind of like tripped over his feet and we both went down at the same time. It was kind of like we were both like in a split on the ground on top of each other. And then we just like got up and I was like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. And we just like kept going. And what's the audience doing? Well, you kind of hear like, 
you kind of feel like a gasp, but then you like get up and you're like smiling, you know, because I mean, you can't really do anything. And then so like after you fall, you're like, okay, well, that's the worst thing that can happen. So let's just keep going. And you kind of feel like liberate or like, you know, like the audience is behind you or I don't know, you just. You feel like really good, like you could do anything now. I'm sure they're just happy that you're stay that, yeah. that you're okay. I mean, I yeah. think that would be my reaction is like, are they okay? Yeah. And then you're just yeah. so happy that they're. I know that you're okay. Yeah, I mean, falls can be really funny, but then there's some falls that obviously will hurt and just aren't fun at all. But most of my falls have been like, oh god, that was stupid. Yeah, stuff like that. So did you ever have a moment though where you wanted to like dig a hole and crawl in? Yes, there are some moments where it was like so bad technically, and you're just like, like at the end of one one time at the end of Diamonds, it's a huge. I mean, it's such a huge ballet, and you're on stage for such a long time, and my legs are so tired, and my left leg, especially my left foot, you've been on that leg the entire time, and it's the dominant leg, and so by the end, you have to do like this really slow pirouette, and. I couldn't get up to releve. So I did a supportive pirouette with my partner on flat at the end of this amazing, gorgeous, godlike ballet. And I was like, that was the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life. Because it's like, no one's doing anything. It's like this grand moment. And you're like, trying to get to a point. You're like, oh, nope, it's not going to happen. And it was just like, it was so embarrassing. And is, is the troop supportive or does the troop give you those dirty looks? Oh, like? no. They're just like, no, when the director comes back, they just like laugh at you because they're like, they know they've been there and they're like, oh, whatever. He's like, I don't care. That's fine. doesn't matter. Yeah. If you weren't a ballerina, what would you be? I can't imagine being anything else. I mean, I know there obviously is things, but I don't know. I can't really imagine being anything else. And people say, what are you going to do when you're done? I have no idea. Right now, I'm so in the middle and the thick of it that nothing else really exists for me. What do you look at? Because you're doing, you've done some ads, right? You did Kohan and HP. Yeah. I love your HP. I love the HP. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I met the Kohan and Han was great also. They're both great. But I love the HP mm. ad. That's fun. It, it, it just is fun. I mean, you watch yeah. it and you smile when you watch yeah. it the whole time. Oh, so yeah. is that helping to position you? Is, is it? I Sure, I think it is. I think it's, I don't know if it'll have anything to do with what I do after I'm done dancing, but it's something that's really fun for me to do now and to put dance out there and make it popular again, quote unquote, and to just expose myself, I guess, and kind of celebrate what, what my career has done. And, and the Cole Haan thing is really great because they've, they have a partnership with New York City Ballet and, you know, we're really working together to kind of publicize both of us and, and to, um, celebrate who we are as athletes and artists and people. And so I'm, I'm really, really thankful and, honored to be part of that partnership with them. So when you look then at your future, because I think that a lot of young women are looking at, I think some women aren't there. Some women are doing things they love right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And other women are doing things that they like, but they're not crazy by it. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like I went to school for it. So therefore I have to do it. Mm -hmm. You're doing something that you love Mm -hmm. that 
is very natural for you, obviously. I mean, you, you do it extremely beautifully and well. That what advice would you give to them? What advice would you give to younger women who are getting good at doing something that they really don't want to be doing? Get out of what you're doing because you're going to get so bored and you're going to be, you know, so uninterested with what you're doing. I mean, yes, I am very lucky that I am so passionate about what I do. And I think because I started at such a young age at three years old, and that's what I did every day after school and on the weekends. And, and it's still in me, this love for the art form and, I can't imagine having to find something to do after you've finished high school or whatever, and you don't know what you're going to do. But I know a lot of young people that they've started one career and actually a friend of mine, they started one career. And then all of a sudden they're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not happy. I don't care about making all this money. Like this does not do anything for me. So they stop completely and they want to be a photographer. Like that's what they know they love to do. And because, I mean, it's scary to stop something in your mid twenties and then completely start over, but you have to do it for your soul. You have to do it for you. I mean, it's not about anybody else. It's about making yourself happy and money can't be the driving force. Cause I mean, as a dancer, we don't make, I mean, yes, we have to make money to live in New York city, obviously. But we don't do it for the money. I do not do it for the money. No, you just you have to you have to do something that you're passionate about because you want to kind of pass it on to your kids and your family. I mean, at least I want to do that. I'm not going to say you have to be a ballet dancer. I mean, that'd be the worst thing. But I want them to be doing something that they love, for sure. And if you were to meet a young woman who wanted to be a ballerina, but you said. <laughs> Mm, I'm not so sure she really has what it takes. What would you tell her or would you, what would you tell her? Um, depends on how old they are. I mean, if they were still, if they were still like 14, 15, I would say go for it. You know, there's so many companies everywhere that need dancers. And just because Maybe they won't be in New York City Ballet doesn't mean they can't be in a ballet company somewhere in Texas or California or, you know, there's so many different possibilities out there. So I would say keep going until you really think that it's not going to work out. And I don't know what point that is for anybody because, you know, there's so many contemporary companies as well. If you don't, if you can't be a ballerina, but, you know, if you're older, I'll be like, oh. I don't think so. It's just, it's hard because we are, we have to start, people start looking at us professionally when we're like 14 years old. That's tough. I mean, it, you're, it's your logic so has just started. Like when you're 11, you're not even yeah. thinking logically when you're 14 totally. and your hormones. And no, it's I like, know. what are these breasts? Where did they come from? <laughs> Everything is new. It is. And it's, you don't even realize that, you know, but now looking back, I was like, yeah, the summer courses at SAB, they were looking at people for the company and they have to. So people have to keep that in mind as well, because this career starts young, but you also end young. You know, I'm going to be done with this when I'm 45. 
which is really scary because it's been my entire life and I can't think of doing anything else. But you can still do stuff in the, within the ballet, right? Totally. I can or teach, dance. I can do all that, but nothing's going to compare to what I do now at all. But you never know. I think, you know, life takes so many turns and twists. And you think about when you're 45, you could be married, you could have kids, you could not be married. I hope I do. (laughs) And so by then you may be ready, right? You may be saying, okay, you know what? This was great. This was great. I've had a wonderful life. It's one of the things I've learned about getting older is whatever you think will happen, Mm -hmm. won't happen that way. It's like, and and that's the exciting part of it, that... It's, it's great to dream and have a vision, yeah. but then when it takes a different turn, hopefully it's a better dream that you're going towards. Yeah. It's a better vision. So here's the big question. Do you have a mentor? I don't really have a mentor. I, I didn't either when I was younger. I wish yeah. I would have. I mean, I have, obviously I have ballerinas that I watch on tape and that I, you know, McCarva, Natalia McCarva is one of my huge idols and she has like she did this series called ballerina back in the day in the 80s and what she how she talks and what she talks about you know i really i take to heart and when i watch her performances on tape you know i that's where i kind of learn what i want to learn but albert evans was one of my mentors like and it's just really unfortunate that he left but i think even now that he's gone he's even more instilled in me every single day and, and, and everything I approach with dance. But yeah, I don't, it's, it's hard to, no, I don't really have a mentor. I don't know. I, I have many people at the company that, you know, help me along my way and help me in my journey. So to me, that's good enough for me right now is working out. Yeah. I don't know. You know, for years when people would ask me if I have a, if I had a mentor or if I have a mentor, I would say no, and then I would immediately say, but there were two women in my life mm. who were really instrumental, yeah. and I never realized it at the time, because they were my bosses, mm. that they were really my mentor. So I remember when I was being promoted to the vice president position, and I said to one of the women, her, her name is Carolyn, I said, you know, I'm not ready. And I said this to her about 20 years later, I was, we were talking and I said, when you promoted me, I really didn't think I was ready. And she said, oh, but you were, you just didn't realize it mm. because you thought you had to be where I was mm. at that point in my career, but you were now starting out in that position that you didn't have to be where I was. You needed to forge your own trail. And I look back and I think if that wasn't a mentor, I don't know what was a mentor. That's somebody who just yeah. believed in you and who could see what you could be right. and that gave you the opportunities and the guidance. She just wasn't like, oh, here you go. Right. It was like, I'll always be here for you. And to this day, there is that mentorship role that goes on. So I think that mentors show up sometimes when you were just talking about the people in your lives. It may not be that traditional, this is somebody I call once a week or I talk to, you know, four times a month that we have dinner, that it's those people that just really help you bring out the best in you and see the best in you and Mm -hmm. to, to make you realize that the sky's the limit. Right. And I think you probably, you have those people as you were just saying in your life, but not under that traditional banner of mentor. I mean, yeah, Albert was definitely that person. And I guess you could say my director, Peter Martins, he, he's the one that saw I could do everything 
and wanted me to, he saw it in me when I was 19 and he put me in Swan Lake. Everybody thought he was crazy. I thought he was crazy. I was like, this is impossible, but he did it. And he saw that I could be who I am today. And without that vision, without that confidence, there's no way I would be here right now. And he still does that every time he comes in rehearsal. He tells us stories of Balanchine and what Balanchine would say and what Balanchine would want. And I, and I keep thinking that because he's saying those things to me to, to keep me thinking and keep me inspired and to help me understand what we're doing and why we're keeping Balanchine's legacy alive. Yeah, it's, it's great to have that type of person in your life, for sure. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. It's sitting across from you, and I say this, and you, you're looking right at me, and you can see how sincere I am. I am, I really am inspired by you, and you're half my age, and I think it's a great example of you mentoring, whatever we want to call it, yeah. goes both ways, that we can inspire and we can learn from each other. And just your stories, I can learn so much, um, and I hope we both will encourage each other to not fall on our faces whenever we can make that possible. It's like, don't fall on our faces. So thank you. It's been, a, it's been wonderful. Thank, thank, you. thank you. When you're 30 years old and you're one of the most talked about ballerinas in America, you have a lot of mentoring moments. How you got there? How do you stay there? What do you do in the future? To find out more about Sarah, check out my show notes on Forbes.com slash podcasts. As always, thanks so, so much for listening. I'd love to hear all of your thoughts. So please review and rate and subscribe. And if you like the show, tell a friend or two. You just enjoyed a Forbes podcast. To learn more about our other shows, visit Forbes.com slash podcasts. Thank you.